Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your Welcome stitch together. Welcome to the Holiday Gift Guide episode of the Stitch Please Podcast. I'm joined today by Alicia Holland for a deep dive into the amazing variety of gifts that you can give the sewers on your list this year. We will also be talking about two Oliso irons, the TG1600 Pro and the Mini Project Iron, with thanks to Oliso for giving us those irons to try. Oliso also donated a Mini Project Iron to be given away on the Black Women's Stitch page. We will announce that winner in this episode and later post the name on the page. This episode is a little bit longer than some of our other episodes, but that's because we go into a really deep dive into the notions, tools, books, and these irons that will be really great to have as gifts for new, intermediate, experienced sewists. And because there is so much information, be sure to check the episode notes for this episode of the podcast. You can find them wherever you listen to the podcast, but it also includes direct links to the products that we're discussing. Um, And these links are to Amazon listings for the products. And because Black Women's Stitch is now an affiliate of Amazon, the Stitch Please podcast gets a little bit of money when you use those links. So without further delay, here's Alicia and I talking about the holiday gift guide. Speaking with Alicia Holland, who is an amazing seamstress, sewist, teacher, attorney. Um, She's going to be presenting um, at Craftcation this year, well, next year in 2020, um, on a fitting class. So she knows so much. And I'm really delighted to be able to talk with her today about what a holiday gift guide should look like and what should be on it. And I made a long list and I showed her the list. And so all the products that we're going to talk about today, there will also be links to them in the show notes. So you'll be able to look for yourself at the things that we're talking about. Um, So welcome and thank you for being here today, Alicia. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Although I listened to that intro and I was like, who is she talking about? Oh, that's me. Oh, okay. I better bring it. Yes, yes, bring it, bring it, friend. You bring it everywhere you go. You can't help. Um, so I guess when and thinking about the holiday gift guide, and we also want to acknowledge that we're going to talk about irons today um, as part of the holiday gift guide because Oliso has given us um, two irons. Alicia got the, I think it's the TG1600 Pro. Is that what it's called? Yes, it is. And I got um, a mini, it's, like, it's called like a mini pro, it's a project iron from Oliso. And that's what I was most interested in because I like to keep a little iron next to my serger, next to my sewing machine station. So we're going to talk about irons as well. And so I just want to give a shout out to Oliso for that. And there'll also be links to those products in the episode notes as well. So 
Do you think, Alicia, it's worth dividing up a gift guide into beginner sewists, newbie sewists, and advanced sewists? Like, how, what's, like, when you think about, like, what are the kind of things you want as a sewist? I mean, since you're pretty advanced sewist, I don't know. If you think about what's a good thing that someone could give someone that they might not buy for themselves or as a treat, I don't know. Yeah, so I thought of it in kind of four categories, I would say. And so my four, my four categories were beginning sewist and then kind of an advanced intermediate sewist because it's interesting. I think so many people call themselves beginners, but are really not. They know and can do a lot more than they realize. So I kind of lumped the intermediates and the advanced together. Then my other two categories were, um, cause always extra around here. So the upgrade you category. So those are the <laughs> things where like you've been doing this or you're trying to step your game up. And so it's more about upgrading the things you have, as opposed to just adding things you don't already have. And then my last yes. one was a sewist to sewist category. And what I'm thinking hmm. about in the sewist to sewist category is it's one thing for me to give my wish list to my non-sewing people, but it's something where one of when I am a sewist and I want to give something to somebody else that I know has an equal love for this thing. And so I might give them a different kind of gift than somebody that's a newbie or somebody that I, do, that I don't know what they do in their sewing as much. Oh, I really like that. I really like that. And what I like about it is that it's something that from sewist to sewist is something that you know we could use and you know what brands to look for as opposed to someone who is, I don't know, that's, it's, just like, it's, it's much more, not much more, but it's very thoughtful. It's a considered type of gift because it's considering the context because a sewist to sewist gift shares a context. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. So let's look at some of the products we have listed on our gift guide. Maybe we should think <laughs> about like how to divide them because, well, let me just go over the list of what I had and yeah. then we can try to tackle how we would categorize them up. Okay. So it's about 10 things on this list. Well, you know, we all know that I'm terrible at math. It's not 10 things. <laughs> it's five, five again, 15. It's 15 things. That's not bad. That's close enough. All right. So here we go. Very Rodney Dangerfield. I have one question in 27 parts. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Here we go. So seam ripper, scissors, a bodkin, buttonhole knife, good pins, Thread snips, a point turner, a pressing ham, and a pressing seam roll, the fast turn tube turner set, a pressing cloth, a wool pressing mat, wonder clips, a Guterman thread box that I think it's the box that has maybe 18 threads in it, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, curves, like French curves for pattern alterations. That's what I have right now for the 15 things for the gift guide. Um, and again, everyone, if y'all didn't hear all this, don't feel like you have to go scramble and write it all down. Um, I'm going to do my best to get back to transcribing. So there'll be a transcript for this episode. But more importantly, 
in the show notes, there'll be links to all the products and you can just look through them that way. I also had a couple of books, which I think might be good sewist to sewist gifts. And so one of them is actually the one that I have is the one that you kind of recommend, you recommended, you didn't give it to me, but you totally recommended it. And it's been great. And I'm hoping to sit down with it over the break and enjoy it more. Um, that's the fitting and pattern alteration book. Um, by Elizabeth Lighty and Judith Rasband. I think you told me about that. Yeah, the, the Big Red Book. The Big Red Book, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. And then I like Fast Fit by Sandra Betsina um, because it has like certain corrections that are you know easy to make based on your body. Like if you have a sway back, if you have um, larger upper arms, if you have you know all these different things, and how you can alter the patterns to make them to make these adjustments. So those might be another example of the um, maybe of a of a sewist to sewist gift because you know I tried and I like it, and then I recommended it to other people. So what do you think about seam rippers? This, we can we can do it in fives. Do it yeah. in fives. Okay. So seam rippers, scissors, bodkin, buttonhole, knife, and pin. Are those for the beginning sewist, the intermediate advanced, upgrade you, or sewist to sewist? Those five things. I think those would likely fall in the beginner section to me. And I had a couple of those on my list as well with a slight variation, which is I think everybody has a seam ripper and same goes for snips. I know that wasn't in this five but I put these two things in the same area. Um, everybody has the seam ripper because you know you have that little red one that comes with your sewing machine. That's right. Or in some little freebie kit, that sort of thing. Yes. But those little things are enough to make you quit sewing. If you have to rip out a long seam with that tiny little thing that is likely to give you arthritis all by itself. <laughs> exactly. And so what I actually put the variation of those, which I think is good for a beginner sewist, is to give them an ergonomic seam ripper and snips yes. so that they can see, like, sometimes it really is having a better tool for the job just makes the job more manageable. That's right. And then and, for the mm -hmm. yeah for the others like the bodkin the point turner and the buttonhole knife I think those are great because those are not in basic sewing kits and they're not ones that people commonly have like I was like oh I don't even have a buttonhole knife <laughs> even though I do plenty of buttonholes so that'd be a great one so I think those are good to help somebody that's just getting started building out their kit. Mm -hmm. And do you have a recommendation? So I, I have, a, and I think we both have this seam ripper because um, for the Black Women's Stitch Beach Week, Dritz gave us um, that ergonomic seam ripper. It has a light and a magnet. Remember that one? I do. And I, do. I yeah, I like that one because I like the way it feels and I like that it has, you know, I like that it has a light and a magnifying glass on it. Like, I like being able to see what I'm, what I'm doing. I like being able to see that. Um, and I think I like your idea about, um, that when you have like very, very basic tools or the freebie tools that it makes a, a hard job worse. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, having this, you know, that, uh, a 
a three inch long seam ripper that's the size of a pencil and you're like poking away and it's like, I hate seam ripping and everybody hates seam ripping, but you hate it more if your tools are not good. So I like the ergonomic one, but let me ask you about the buttonhole knife. So I didn't get a buttonhole knife until maybe I was maybe more advanced than intermediate. And I don't know why. I think that I guess when I first started sewing, we were supposed to put pins across the tips of the buttonhole so, and then open the buttonhole with your seam ripper, like poke the thing in and slide it up. And invariably, I would cut through it and stuff. And I don't know why the buttonhole knife isn't a more basic or popular tool. Do you, do you, I don't know. Why do you think that that's kind of restricted? Or is there a reason for it? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm being hazed with sewing. I'm like, (laughs) you mean to tell me that all this time I was trying to thread elastic with a safety pin and there's a thing such as a bodkin or like a clover flat bodkin that, that doesn't like pop out, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, it's a funny thing because I totally get the utility of a button knife. And like I said, that is a thing that I don't have. I just use my very fine point scissors and get in close with the buttonhole and have never had a problem with that. And so while I think the buttonhole knife is a great suggestion and is a lovely thing to have, I'm also reticent to say you must have that in order to sew because I also find that sewing is one of those hobbies, like so many hobbies, that it can seem super expensive and cost prohibitive just to try it. And so can you make buttonholes successfully without a buttonhole knife? Absolutely, you can. You don't have to have this special thing. Is it a great help? Sure. Same with the seam ripper. Can you rip a seam with a little freebie? Absolutely. But is it kind of a pain in your patikis to have to go all the way down the side seam of a dress with that little thing? Yes. So those are just, so I think the buttonhole knife is one of those things that it's a nice to have. And I think Mm. it's one that if you are trying to, that if you're trying to get better at it and are getting frustrated with things, then that is certainly one that having in some of your more beginning stages of buttonholing, as opposed to waiting until you've done it a, a bunch of different ways would probably be a useful tool to have. Right. That's I th- so. In, in your in your um, in your categories, would you put that as an upgrade, ya, the buttonhole, or would you put it as advanced intermediate for the buttonhole I, I, knife? Yeah, I think I would still put it in as a great gift for a beginner. Okay. Yeah. All right. How about scissors? What do you think? Do you think you start with? basic level scissors and work your way up and the same for pins yeah and for pins you're talking straight pins or marking pins straight pins straight pins okay yeah so for the scissors I also had those on my list and I put the scissors on the upgrade your list because I think sometimes people I think there are lots of really great basic scissors that you can start with because really when it comes to sewing, you need two things. They need to be sharp and you need a different set for your paper than your fabric. 
And so if you've got those two things, I think just about any pair of scissors is going to at least get you set up right. Then I think once you know, okay, this is my thing and I'm really into this, I think scissors fall in an upgrade just that where then that's when you're upgrading to maybe some nicer scissors. Like that's where you're learning, oh, dressmaker shears so I can get that flat bottom or moving to Kai's or Ginger's or the different levels of Fisker scissors. Uh, Before I got to that level, I had a great set of scissors. I believe they were 3M scissors that I found in a three pack from Costco. No kidding. They were, they had the ergonomic handle, which is also one of the important things because it's just, you're using your hands so much in all of your sewing practice that having tools that are comfortable in your hand, I think is more important than the brand that you have. And so my scissors, those, that three packs from Costco that I had were great. And the way I used them to maximize my scissors was I would take one pair out and use it for my fabric. And when it started to get a little dull, and then I think I was gifted a pair of Fiskars at a conference at that point and uh, Fiskars dressmaker shears. And so then I took that pair and turned them into my paper scissors Um, because they still cut plenty fine. They just weren't as sharp for the fabric. And so I used those scissors for the longest time before I upgraded. And then I got, I went into using, now I prefer Kai's and Fiskars, which are just the ones I have. I also think the Gingers are lovely, but to me, for my hands, the Ginger scissors tend to feel a little heavy in my hands, so I don't prefer them. Um, but I do have Ginger snips that I think are great. So that's why I would put scissors in the upgrade jet because I think you can spend a lot of money on scissors, but you don't have to. And so that's a great upgrade gift. That's excellent. And I totally agree with you about everything. Um, I rotate my scissors out still. Um, I will work on it and use it for fabric, fabric, fabric. And then I use the Fiskars, um, the one with the, um, the spring loaded handle. Um, Mm -hmm. and because, because I can't take those to a regular scissor sharpening place because I guess the blades don't open wide enough or something, something weird. So I end up using those for paper and I just write the word paper on the blade and Sharpie because, um, Folks come in and I, luckily I train my beloved family to like, <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's mounted on the wall, do not touch it. And my husband will tease me still saying, oh, I'm just going to go get some scissors from downstairs. You got so many. I'll just go get some off the wall. The ones <laughs> next to all that thread. I'll get shady those. They'll be fine. <laughs> I'm telling you, shady boots. That is what my whole, I, I guess, you know, all of us are just shady, but they will totally do that. And like, if it's on the, you know, if it's on the basket next to the, the printer, you can totally get them. There's seven pairs of scissors in the basket. Get those. Um, but also I like this idea of you can definitely spend more money on scissors. You don't need to start with the, I like Kai a lot, but you don't yeah. need to start there. Um, so I think that's important. And um, do you have the same kind of view about pins as well? Um. Yeah. So one other thing about the scissors, the Kai's, they don't have to be super expensive. My pair of Kai scissors I found on Amazon. I will try to find the link for you so that you can put it in the show notes. And they were about 20 bucks and came with the blade shield and my favorite scissors to date. 
So I will definitely give you that. And then another tip, just since we're talking about Shady Acres, because I don't want anybody's family members to get it by New Year's because somebody used the wrong pair of scissors without knowing from a Christmas gift, is um, I take a little remnant of fabric or a ribbon and tie it in the loop of my fabric scissors. And so that way I don't even have to worry about like writing on the blade or something rubbing off. Like I can tell visually these are not paper scissors because there's fabric on them. Yes. So let me tell you a little story about my mother (laughs) and her three children of which I am one. And my mother would do the same thing. She had these heavy black shears and she tied this chiffon. She tied fabric around them. And I never knew if that meant these were for fabric or if these were for us to play with. So um, <laughs> we would just take my poor mother. I mean, we would just take it and, you know, these are scissors. And she would say, don't you see there's fabric on these? And we would say, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, she, and she would say, what do you think this means? And we would say, we don't know. <laughs> we just needed some scissors and these were the only ones we could find. And, you know. I but, had to cut my sister's hair. They were scissors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to make a paper doll out of cardboard. They were scissors. You know, I totally get that. So, yeah, I think it comes with that and the training, like you said, with your little Shady Boots clan there. Exactly. You got to train them up on it. But yeah, for pins, I, you know, pins, I don't have as much of an opinion on, which is surprising, I'm sure, because I seem to have an opinion on everything. (laughs) (laughs) But I am so much more of, um, this is a spoiler, so I'm sorry to spoil it, but I know it's on your list and mine. I am so much more of a Wonder Clip sewer than I am a pin sewist. So I use those. Let's jump to Wonder Clips. Let's jump to Wonder Clips. So... Let's the next section. Wait, is there anything else that you okay? Let's 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 jump to the next section. And that's going to be wonder clips, a point turner, a a pressing ham, and a seam roll. So that's four things. The point turner, pressing ham, pressing seam roll, and the wonder clips. Of those four things, where do they fall on your list? Wonder clips, I'm going beginner. Okay. Point turner, I think beginner. Ham, seam roll, and I would add clapper to that list to round out for the five. I think Uh those I would put it intermediate. Okay. A clapper. That's a good idea. I didn't even have that on there. That's excellent. Well, let's talk about all, let's talk about the, uh, since we're talking about pins, let's talk about the wonder clips and why you would give those to a beginner. Wonder clips are pretty new. Um, I think, well, at least in more wide use, I think they, I think they hit the scene. How long ago? What? Five years ago, would you say longer? Six, seven years ago? I imagine they're probably more than five years old because I've been doing garments for about six years now. Okay. And they were out when I got them in my first set. They might have been just a little bit newer because the funniest thing happened when I got my first set of Wonder Clips. I ordered them on Amazon randomly, and it was one of those where before everybody got hip to what these were, and so it was like a hundred of them for like five dollars. 
And then I was like, oh, these are great. And a friend of mine went to get some and she got her set. And then when we went to go get some more, the price has shot up everywhere. And we're like, oh man, everybody got into them now. Wow. Yes. So a wonder clip, if if you're not familiar with what it is, it's like a slightly like a spring loaded pressure, small clip. It's about a half an inch wide, though now they come in different thinnesses and thicknesses and strengths. And you basically use them to clip together the cut edges of your fabric. Um, It's a lot faster than pinning. Um, It's that's one thing. It's very, very secure. Um, I prefer, I don't really love to pin anything. Um, of course, I'll pin a sleeve in, if, you know, because that really requires, you know, a certain type of easing and all that. But it's really great for long, long pieces, like long pant legs and skirt seams and stuff like that. Um, is that an adequate description you think of a wonder clip? Yeah, I think another way I would describe it uh, is like a chip clip. It's like a tiny little chip it clip is. that you can it use is, for your actually. Yeah. And I use, I use them for shoulders. Uh, I'm not shoulders for sleeves. And what I do is just for the part, right. As I'm going to be starting this, the sleeve, I put yes. a couple of pins there, but then I okay. render clip the rest of the way around. And okay. I also think they are great for hems. Oh, they are. That is so true. Yes. So that would be good. That would go in the beginner category, like to start with wonder clips. It's, yes. I think I really one of the things I really like about Wonder Clips is that they work really well for stretchy knit fabrics that sometimes are um, challenging for pins. Yeah, and so that's something that's another advantage of the Wonder Clips that I really like. Okay, let's look at the um, the pressing unit, which is the ham clapper and the seam roll, and why that's a number two intermediate advanced um, type of tool or a set of tools. Yeah, because I think for those, that's, I think you're ready for those when you have decided that sewing is a thing that you're into and you're trying to, you're just either doing a lot of it or trying to step your game up. And so that's when it's time to invest in those sorts of tools, because at the end of the day, there are other common household things that you can use as a substitute while you're still feeling out the sewing thing to see if it's your thing. So if push comes to shove or a seam roll, you can roll up a towel or a mm-hmm. t-shirt and stuff it in there and get the same effect for what you need while you're trying to see like, well, what is this thing doing? How does it work? And for a ham, very similar. You can use a towel or throw a towel over a boxer of mound of fabric or a spare piece of fabric, something like that. And then same with a clapper. Everybody has a dictionary or if you are of a certain generation, then you have the set of encyclopedias. Encyclopedias. But <laughs> a heavy, basically a heavy book is what you need to give you the, the essence of a clapper. And so I think once you figure out like, oh, okay, I think I'm actually doing this thing versus, um, I know something we've talked about previously and kind of chuckled at is the people that are in the Joann's making the Halloween costumes that have never sewn anything. Like once you've gotten past a couple of little Halloween costumes and Christmas projects to say sewing is, is a thing I do, then that's maybe 
where you're at ham, seam rolling, clapper, where you get the actual tool at that point. I think that's great. And I like the way you've talked about what substitutions can be made because I do agree that sewing can be, like almost anything can be very expensive and people are looking for ways to make it accessible and affordable. And if there's ways to say, you know, right now, I don't know how much I love this, so I'm not going to spend the money on a clapper or the money on a seam roll when I could take a thick towel and, you know, or I realize that there's certain steps I need to take to get the results I want. I'm now willing to invest in those tools um, to help get the results that I want. No, that's great. I'm just glad that you didn't say that, like, and for the pressing can, just get a ham um, from like <laughs> the honey baked ham store and throw a blanket over it. And I'd be like, no, I don't think that's appropriate, Alicia. I think that's not going to give them good results. Um, yeah, I'm like, your stuff is going to smell funny. And so yes. um, the animals will be chasing you. And exactly. You or it's a perfectly good ham. Like, or it's going to smell ham. great. Ham is delicious. So it might be amazing. Yeah. What about oh, um, a point turner? Do you use a point turner? That's that. It's like a like a bone, almost like a bone folder. It's pointed at one end and round on the other. Yeah, the point turner that I use is the one that is the combined point turner and seam gauge. Uh, oh. And so I have that one. I use that point turner. And frankly, sometimes some of the other things um, that I use to turn points and get them just so is I keep a chopstick at yes. my sewing station. Yes. And so often I use that as my point turner as well which until I learned about the fast turn was also how I turned yes. too. So <laughs> I'm telling you, I have such, I guess, I'm, and it's so hard for me to kind of get back into the mindset of like where I was like 24 years ago when I started sewing or whatever um, to, I mean, but I remember that. I remember the safety pin. I remember all of these things. And then when I got the fast turn, which I got, like I said, maybe 24 years ago, I, it was just kind of like, the angels flew out of all the sewing spaces and were like, oh. I mean, it was incredible. Totally. I was today years old, the day that you showed us yours and how that thing worked. And I was like, wait, what? There's a tool for this? I oh, mean, <laughs> and it's like, now we can make that much, that many more Appleton dresses with the really long wraps. We could do the Zadie jumpsuits with the really long wraps. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Okay, so actually this is leading us to the last part of the list, okay? Yes. So that's the fast turn tube turn set, a press cloth, and a wool pressing mat. So that's just three things. And yes. um, of those three things, and then I want to hear what you had on your list that I haven't said. Um, of those three things, how do you rank those in terms of beginning, intermediate, upgrade or so as to so as yeah so fast turns i would put in either intermediate and also that could be a so as to so as gift yes Pr press cloth beginner because mm -hmm. there's nothing sadder than thinking you've really done something and ruining it with a too hot iron on fabric and not realizing it. I know. And the wool pressing mat, I'm going to put an intermediate to advanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So 
the press cloth, um, for those who might not know, is just, there's lots of different types of press cloths. The one that I use actually is one that someone gave me when Riley, my oldest, who is about to be 21, at the time of this broadcast, he will have been 21 for one whole day. Um, and they gave me that when he was a baby. And it was this, like, it's just a, a thin cotton cloth. I was taking a sewing class when my child was an infant and um, I needed a press cloth. They're like, oh, here, have this one. And it was just a nice gesture. And I have had it ever since. I have had this piece of press cloth for 21 years. And all you do is lay it down on your garment and it really does help prevent um, it from scorching. It prevents it from like some, some fabrics, if the iron is too hot, it will leave a shine mm -hmm. on the fabric because I think it's been singed or something. And then you can't like get rid of that. You can't get rid of that singe. So it's it's really nice. The press cloth is just a small thing for that. They also make them out of Teflon. There's all different types, um, but it is a nice thing to use and develop a good pressing habit so that when you're pressing your garments, you're not, you're, it's like a, it's an extra precaution. Um, yeah, the press cloth also helps if you do a lot of fabrics that have prints or patterns on them, because oh. sometimes those patterns, particularly if you do things that have um, any sort of shiny or metallic print, sometimes what they use to get that on the fabric, even though your fabric might be a cotton spandex knit that should hold up to the heat well, the print on it is not the same like if it's a painted on like flower or print or whatever and so the press cloth can help protect number one not messing up your fabric and number two not messing up the sole plate of your iron if some of that stuff transfers onto your iron oh that's an excellent point i hadn't thought of that thank you for that that's excellent yeah, and done what that a, a time or two and been like, ooh, I should have put the pressing cloth down. So I, I keep it next to the iron. It's just a barrier layer. And even if I'm not sure how a fabric is going to do with the iron, just to be safe, I put it down. I also always use it if I'm doing anything that's white so that if the yes. iron leaks a little water or whatever, then that way it does not ruin it. Because there was a panel of a skirt that there were some tears over when I was making an Easter dress. But oh, I was no. like, I can't fix it. Thank goodness I have enough fabric to cut another panel. Oh, my gosh. And I think that's absolutely right. Like, for some reason, I have my my stand-up ironing station is in this one area of the sewing room, but the pressing supplies are in another area. And so I got my ham, I got my seam roll, I got the pressing cloth, um, the clapper. But then I forget to bring out the pressing cloth. And I'm like, ugh. I really don't feel like walking the entire 15 steps to retrieve <laughs> this pressing cloth. So let me go ahead and see what happens without it. And then I'm, I'm, I'm angry tears. And I'm like, oh, what can I do to cover up these ugly spots that just came or whatever? Because I was just being impatient. So Don't play iron chicken. It never works iron out in your chicken. favor. I'm telling you, I, I just made a cape at the Stitch Please Retreat back in October. And it's a great looking cape. I'm very happy with it. But I ended up having to add bias binding around the top of the collar and up and down the front um, closure because I burnt it. I oh, no. was, I mean, I got it done. All I needed was a final press. I didn't feel like getting the pressing cloth, that new iron that the hotel provided, which was very nice. Um, 
it was too hot. And I, and my my fabric is also slightly synthetic and all these things I knew, but I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I can, I'm finally done with this. And then I was not done with it. And that was a whole set of making the bias binding, pressing the bias binding, attaching the bias, but it took, it was like making a whole nother component to this garment, all because of a pressing error. And everything could have been prevented if I used the yes. pressing clock. You so fell I think for the iron chicken okie doke. I totally did, big time. My sad experience with not using a press cloth on a garment that I was really excited about making is just one example of why it's important to have good basic tools at your disposal. Up next, we'll talk about one of my absolute favorite notions in my sewing life. It's a little pricey, but it's really worth its weight in gold. I recently did an IGTV video about this tool, so you can check that out too. Here's Alicia and I talking about it right now. Um, So let's shift to the Fast Turn Tube Turner set. I really feel like I have been um, some type of strange ambassador for the Fast Turn people. Um, Ever since... I know at least four people that have them because of your ambassadorship. So I I hope you got a free set coming. (laughs) I mean, these people don't know me from a can of paint, but I have been telling anybody who would listen, you know... And so I think you're right that um, it could be an intermediate advanced gift or it could be an upgrade or so as to so as because that's how you got it. Because I think um, I'm a so as I told you about it and you're so as oh, I showed you. I think I was like, see, just what? What? Yeah. And so tell us, I guess, because I know I can talk about this doggone thing forever. Um, But tell (laughs) us about your experience with it since this since you are a recent um, user of the tool. Yes, well, I can't. I have to give credit where credit was due because I did not get it for myself. That was definitely a sewist to sewist gift. While I saw yours and thought, oh, that's so cool, it was my good buddy and yours who was ordering her set and was like, just nothing good comes of it if mine shows up and one doesn't come for Alicia too. And so she got me one too. And I was like, for me, so it's great. And I have never regretted that she, she bought it for me because I would have been too stubborn too. <laughs> I, hey, y'all, that's fine. I'm happy with the chopstick. I don't know why. I like spending 20 minutes trying to turn a tube with chopsticks and a safety pin. You know. As they say, tell the truth and shame the devil. So, <laughs> yeah, this, I totally yeah. would have been like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And so we skipped that whole conversation when mine just showed up here and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll keep it to myself. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I love mine. I use it for, I definitely use it for turning tubes. The other place where I have found it really useful is when I need to put an elastic in a waistband, I have used it for that as well. And so um, when you, when I'm putting an elastic in a waistband where there's a channel and yes. they want you to, uh, and you've already attached the bodice and the skirt together, then I've been able to, if I leave the opening wide enough, 
it's a lot of fabric to do, but just make sure that you get it all on the copper tube. And so for the people that don't know what the fast turn is, is think like a piece of copper piping and the set comes with a few different sizes of that copper piping. And it's got a little ring around it so that you have something to hold on to that's bigger than the pipe. And what you do for the fast turn is you feed that copper piping into the tube that you're turning, uh, that you want to turn. Like if you're trying to turn a strap or a bag handle, you feed that copper tubing into it. And then it comes with this thin, long wire that has a little pigtail cue at the end and a point. And you push that little pigtail end through the end of your fabric once you've gotten the tube fed through your piece that you want to turn and you secure your fabric on that little pigtail end wire. And once you've got it secured, you pull the wire back through the tube until you get it back out. Then you can take the wire off and it's fed enough of the fabric that you can just pull your little piece of fabric through. And what would have probably taken you five to 10 minutes with your chopstick or whatever method you were using prior to that. I know somebody said they used a highlighter um, to do theirs when we were talking about them at Beach Week. But what Mm -hmm. would have taken you five to 10 minutes that way with the fast turn, you have done in less than 30 seconds. It is one of those things that could you do it without it? Absolutely. But it is just such a nice game changer to not have to fiddle with it because you just don't make mistakes with the fast turn and lose it part way and all kinds of stuff. And it, frankly, I think it gives you a cleaner turn. And so it makes it easier to press it once you've gotten it through. I, I agree because the copper tube is so strong. And depending on the type of fabric you use, if you're using like a cotton fabric or something like that, that's more stiff. If you put your thumb at the seam allowance to open it, or to press it one way, as you turn, it will stay open. Um, you, if you, yeah. you just have to keep your thumb there to kind of to kind of guide it along, and that's something that I found that does kind of help it be ready for pressing in a really good way. Um, so yeah, I love the tube turner. I, I yeah, I think that you're right. You could do it without it, but once for me, once I saw it demonstrated, and then once I did it myself, I was like, oh no. I cannot go back. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> it's kind of like having the option to have central air conditioning and then go back to a box fan in the window, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's like, I don't want a box fan in the window. I think I want to make the investment in some central air. Um, yeah. And, and so oh, we all, the last one thing we have is the press mat, which you had as an intermediate, advanced, or an upgrade. Do you use um, one of the wool press mats? I don't have one. That's why I said, oh, apparently that's more advanced than me because I don't know why I need it. <laughs> so I, this the reason that I have it is as I also so quilt. I also quilt. And so for me, I like to do paper piecing. And that requires a lot of trimming and pressing in between steps. And so that's one of the reasons that I like to have the little Oliso iron that we're going to be talking about is because rather than having, because it's so many seams, after every seam, you need to press. So the seam is like four inches long. You need to trim it, then press it. You then put, you make your other seam, which is about five inches long. You sew it, you trim it, and then you press it. 
And so when you're working with quilting cottons, they respond very well to high heat and a little bit of steam, but not too much because you don't want to distort it. But the wool, the thick wool pressing mat really helps the, the fabric that you're pressing to wick and it wicks the moisture of the, from the steam iron deep right into the fibers of that quilt block. And it really helps the seam stay nice and flat. And that is like, that's a, it's a, that's a big advantage when you're, when you're doing paper piecing or other quilt blocks that require you to press as you go along. And having a little iron like the one we're going to talk about in a bit is a good, it's a good example of that. Um, and so the press mat really does, it doesn't burn. It doesn't, I did say that the press mat does kind of smell like animal when it gets, when the steam gets going, because it's made out of lamb's wool, I guess. It's um, animal. It's actual animal. It's not synthetic. And so that's been pretty good. So that's, that, I think that you're right. I think that is more of an upgrade to thing um, or even a sewist to sewist gift. I got mine on mass drop years and years ago, but you know, you want your seams to be kind of flat and compliant. And this does a really great job of that. So we're ready to head into either talking about a couple books as a sewist to sewist gift. And then I did want to spend some time talking about the Aliso Irons. But is there anything else on the list that we could include on the holiday gift guide that I haven't mentioned? The other one that I have in mind that I would include, a couple of little ones. Um, one that I think would fall in the upgrade you set, but is not necessarily an expensive gift Good. is, uh, the Zirkle pin cushion or pin, oh, yeah. pin tray. And so the Zirkle pin tray is a magnetic pin tray that is magnetic magic in that it makes it when you put the pin on, no matter how you throw it on there, it puts all the points towards the middle. So yes. if you are a pin person, then I think the Zirkle would be a great upgrade gift to do. Then yes. another one I had on that list is um, pattern weights. And I know yes. some people prefer pinning because they think, oh, as you're cutting, you pin. But I prefer pattern weights in my Wonder Clips. And so there are the little beanbag pattern weights that you can get at Joann's, which um are not the best value, I will say, because you get like four of them, but there are just so many cute options, whether it's you decide to make your own. So I have a set that I was gifted that are uh, plumbing washers that somebody lovingly crocheted around. And so they're super cute and they came in a little mason jar. And then mm-hmm. I know there are folks that make them like, um, and thanks I made them with the laser cut pattern weights. And so if you know somebody has a certain hobby or school that they're into. I think that's a really cute gift idea that you could both customize and personalize and give them something useful. Yes. And so what number did you say that was? Two or three for pattern weights or a one? Oh, for which category? Uh Uh-huh, for the pattern weights. That one... You know, I think that one kind of can fall into three of them. I think that could be a great beginner gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it could also be a great intermediate gift. And I also think it would be a great sewist to sewist gift. 
All righty. That sounds good. And did you have the circle as a number three? I think that's what I put down, but that doesn't seem right. Is that what you had? For well, the now you confuse me because I don't know what the numbers mean. Oh, I have sorry. them by their names. <laughs> <laughs> upgrade you. A circle. Is that an upgrade? I think that could be an upgrade, yes. I love mine. And sometimes like I just like throw pins at it at random. Just to see it. <laughs> just because. <laughs> it's also also a toy. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true about a lot of sewing tools, though. <laughs> I know. It's so true. It's so true. Ooh, one last thing that I would add, since you're talking about pins, I have um, a retractable magnet that they use to retrieve fallen tools from car engines. Oh, yeah. And, and so it's not like it's nothing you'd buy in the sewing department at all. Um, it, I think it extends maybe two feet. Um, or two and a half feet. I got mine at Walmart for $5, but I know they probably have them at Harbor Freight. They're not very expensive at all, but it's a nice way to pick up pins from the floor and you don't have to move your body or lean your body over and risk um, slipping or something like that, especially if you have a rolling chair on a smooth surface. So I think I might just add that as a, it could be a beginning slash advanced intermediate. Yeah. And I think you need to have a little side note because I know we talked about that once on an Instagram live. And so that's reminding me that thinks the podcast episode of thinking outside of your sewing box for those sewing tools that are useful that you don't buy in the sewing section. Yes, I love that. Yeah, we're going to totally do that because we just got a Harbor Freight in our our town. That'll be fun. You'll have a lot of fun with all the things you can find in there. I know. I'm so excited slash terrified. Um, okay, so let's we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about the irons because that's also a nice Yay. gift. And we have a chance to talk about a couple of irons. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Holiday Gift Guide episode of the Stitch Please podcast. We've been talking about gifts divided into beginning, intermediate, advanced, Upgrade you and sewist to sewist. Now we're going to talk about Oliso irons. We were given two Oliso irons to try the pro and the mini project iron, and we're going to discuss those now. Stay tuned. Okay, so we're back, and now we're going to talk about irons. Um, Oliso, as we mentioned, gifted us um, these irons. I got a small one, the, the mini project iron. And um, uh, Alicia got the um, the larger pro iron. So I'll just talk really briefly about the small one because I am eager to hear about the the large one. So the one that I have is a little cute, uh, it looks like a doll iron. It is so small. It is so cute. Um, I'm looking at it right now because I'm in my sewing room and the the top of the iron like the the um the base of it um this is the model is M2 Pro um the sole plate is about six inches from tip to bottom and the iron itself is less than eight inches it's about maybe seven and a half inches um it doesn't weigh very much maybe maybe three pounds it might weigh if you go to the Oliso website they can give you the specs um some of the things that I really like about the iron 
is that it has a really sharp pointed tip. I think they call this like a detail tip or a design tip. I'm looking at it now in comparison to another iron that I had um, that's also a small iron. And it is, um, a, it's bigger than that one. It weighs a little bit more, but it feels a bit more substantial. Um, then another thing about the Oliso iron is that this does not have an auto shutoff, which I like. I like um, being able to um, leave it on and it, this iron gets really, really hot. So that's something that I also like. Something that I'm also adjusting to is how to use the steam and release the steam. It really does steam well. And the way that it works is that you put your palm over the top of the iron and then your thumb and forefinger squeeze simultaneously to press the steam side so that the steam releases. Um, you don't just press one side or the other, you press them both. And I think that that is kind of an ergonomic design so that three fingers are holding the iron and the two are doing the pressing, but your whole hand is moving. Um, and so I think that, I think it's just really cute. It's like a kind of like, this looks like, looks like a Barbie iron because the one I ended up, the one that I got was pink. So I think it's really cute. Um, it also comes with this little <laughs> resting slash storage silicone, um, base, like an iron rest. And so on one side, you flip it down and you can set your iron, your, your hot burning iron, you can set it on the resting side. And then when you're done and the iron is totally cooled off, you flip it over and you can put this on the resting side, which, like, which kind of has, has a notch at the bottom and a notch at the top. And you can pop it in there. I'm, I'm doing this now as I'm talking to you. Um, and then you can hang it up, which if you see in my sewing room, and some of you have from the Instagram lives, I love hanging stuff up. I have, I have all this fabric hanging up. I have all my threads mounted to the wall. So the idea of having a little iron that I can hang up on the wall is pretty exciting. So that is something I'm really enjoying about this iron. I, right now I have it set up as my, like what I'm calling my right hand iron. And I have a stand-up iron station where I do pressing for like my large garments and my apparel. But when I'm doing small pieces or if I need to do press as you go and I don't want to get up every, you know, every five minutes after every seam or if I'm doing paper piecing for quilting and I don't want to hop up all the time, I will set the iron up right next to the sewing machine and my chair um, is like an office chair that rotates. And so I'll stitch a seam, trim the seam, twist to the sewing, the, the pressing station, and I'll press it. And this iron is perfect for that, especially since it has the steam and it does not auto shut off. I just find those auto shut off so irritating. One of the disadvantages is that if you do keep it on like high for a really long time, it's an iron, it will get really hot. So they don't recommend that you keep it on the highest temperature for a really long time. Um, so you can turn it off and then when you want to use it again and turn it back on, like it, it, it heats up very fast. So you're not wasting any time waiting for it. So that's my, um, my thoughts so far on the Oliso M2 Pro mini project iron. I haven't done a lot with it. This is something, this is a new acquisition. Um, so, but that's, that's where I am right now. So what about you and the big boy or the big girl, the, the yellow one? 
The big lady. Yes, the big lady. She's (laughs) a lady. (laughs) So I got the Oliso Pro TG1600 Smart Iron, and it has been really fun to use. There is a bit of a learning curve. One of the neat features about it is it has what they call scorch guards. And so it is different than the typical iron, you know, kind of the way we learn to iron. This is totally dating myself, but I took home ec in middle school. And so, you know, you learn to do your ironing and then you sit the iron up on its heel when you're not in the active moment of ironing or pressing something. And so with this Oliso iron, with this scorch guard, it has this technology where all you do is lay your hand on the handle and it will go up and down on its own. And so you never rest this iron on its heel. And so because that muscle memory has been built into me for so many years, that took a little getting used to. And sometimes I still confuse my brain a little bit and get it wrong. But I love that technology because what I found it useful for doing when I was working on, I think I was working on a duster pattern that I was testing. And I got to a point where I was pressing and I needed to make an adjustment in the way that something was laying. And so it was very nice to be able to literally leave my iron right there. We had a bit of a recording blip during this part of the interview, but we quickly get back on track. You were mentioning that you were working on a duster pattern and that I guess it must have really long seams. And so can you talk a bit more about that process? Absolutely, yes. I was working on this pattern and it has long seams, but there are also certain points where you're dealing with smaller kind of fiddly bits, if you will, where, for instance, you've hemmed the bottom of the garment, but you're still turning up and um, sorting out the neckband. And so, you know, you start to pressing something and you get to a point and realize that you've not turned something or adjusted it to where it needs to be before you put that press in it where it's going to be a bit more set. And Mm -hmm. so it was very nice to just take my hand off the iron and let the scotch guard do it where the iron stayed right there for me while I made that adjustment and then was able to just hold on to the iron and let the heat drop back onto my fabric without having to run the risk of what typically happens in that scenario of you move the iron off to the side and then you end up adjusting more of a something than you meant to or your whole garment shifts on you or trying to get back to that spot or feeling like you need a third hand to move the thing, hold the thing and bring the iron back. That's right. That's right. It was very nice. It felt like it gave me the extra hand that I have always wanted in my ironing. And what I appreciate about it is that it's, it's sturdy and gives a good solid press. So it did a really nice job with that, but the iron isn't super heavy. And with that scotch guard, it means that I'm not having to do as much picking up of the iron. And so it just felt a little bit more effortless. Oh, that's fantastic. Excellent. I was wondering about that because I tend to like an iron that's a bit weighty. And I remember when I first saw an Oliso iron, I think that I was just, of course, not used to it. And so I had left it sit down. And then that then it hopped up on its feet. I was like, oh my gosh, is this like, 
you know, Beauty and the was it Beauty and the Beast where oh, all yes. the like the teacups were talking. I was like, is this thing about to break out in the song right now? Right. Um, but it was. I was like, this thing hopped up and scared me half to death. Um, but no, it's it's really cool. And so I, I we're thankful to Oliso for um, sharing their, um, you know, giving us these products to review and to think about. And um, and I know that you said that you actually needed an iron. So that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it worked out lovely because my iron was doing this leaking thing where sometimes it would waterboard your garments and you just never know. Mm. And so, and it was one of those like, eh, do I really want to spend the money on an iron? But I told you already, I'm stubborn. So right. just don't fault my Virgo nature about these things. <laughs> <Your> Virgo nature. <laughs> and so, but what's funny about it is I remember seeing the Aliso. So this is definitely one that I think is a great intermediate gift or a sewist to sewist gift or even an right. upgrade you gift. Because I remember seeing one at a conference, gosh, that's probably been a good three, four years ago now. They were a sponsor at a conference that I went to and I saw it and I'm like, mm, that's nice. And but I'm not trying to invest that kind of money in an iron. I just don't think I need it. And I felt like the iron that I had at the time worked well enough. But as I've used it over time and learned what I like and don't like about an iron, some of these features now, I can totally appreciate them. Whereas at that time, like it is literally the same iron that I played with at that conference. They might have tweaked a few of the features in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. But I remember just not being inspired by it then. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is great. Like, oh, no, I want this thing. So it, like if I had to send it back, if they just let me borrow it for a minute to test it, I would be kind of sad about sending it back and being like, I think I lost it. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what happened to y'all's iron, but um, thank you. <laughs> right. So it is nice. And the bigger one has that detailer tip that you were mentioning it. And that yes. has been helpful too. I did use that when I was working on um, just as I was testing the iron to just kind of get a feel for it before I put it on one of my sewing projects, I had a couple of shirts that are on the stack that are probably going to be in my donation pile for the end of the year, frankly, but mm -hmm. I had just washed them and I wanted to at least give them a little press because I don't like donating things that look like little wrinkled balls. Right. And so since I had them sitting there, I used it to do some pressing on those shirts and a couple other garments that I had to just get a feel for it. And like one of them has this belt that has, that's attached to the shirt that has pin tucks on it. And so oh. that detailer tip was really nice for being able to get in and get under that pin tuck. And so I really got to see that. And that was quite a nice feature because I think some other irons have something that they call that, but this one has a really good, um, like basically a split between the sole plate and the body of the iron so that when you need to get into a space. So for this one, there is a piece of the fabric belt that I needed to get under. And so that split right. was perfect for putting that piece in there and being able to get under there and to get a lot of really good ironing coverage, still getting things done with that. So those were some of the features I really appreciated about it. And I think what you're also describing is it's, it, that to have the iron hover like it does, to have the iron pop up 
is yeah. not like a gimmick. It's something that's a really advanced and a really useful technical feature because when you're trying to press all those pin tucks and you want it to lay a certain way, you have to make little adjustments and you just can't leave the iron just kind of sitting there. But if you're able right. to take your hand off and then it pops up, you can make a quick adjustment and then start ironing and well, and then start pressing again. I think that that's, you know, a really, a really nice thing, a really good advantage to have. So that's wonderful. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I'm really glad you liked it. So, and I'm enjoying the little baby one. I think it's really cute. It's kind of like if it was a tiny bit smaller, it'd be like a Barbie Dreamhouse iron because <laughs> I think it's really cute. <laughs> and I also do like how it hangs up. But I know we, we are, we're going to be, we're, we're starting to wrap things up, but I wanted to spend some time talking about the sewist, the sewist gifts that you had talked about. So these aren't things, everybody, that you can just, like there's no links to these. There's no things that you can find on Amazon, but pay attention to what Alicia's talking about here because these are some pretty cool gift ideas. So tell us a bit about what you what you developed as Sewist to Sewist because I was thinking about like the books I mentioned, like that pattern alteration book and the Sandra Bessina or, you know, Real Fit or Real Pants for Real People, like those kind of books. And I'll drop the links to those books in the show notes, but what Alicia was talking about is really, really special. So I'd love to hear more. Yeah. So these are gifts that I am extremely fortunate to have my crew of sewing, of sewing buddies, like not only my ones across the country, like my black women stitch friends, but my crew that I have right here that are local to me. And so we've been able to get together to have sewing dates and different things. And so these are some sewing gift ideas that we have used to give to some people. And so an example of one that I know we've gifted people, a, a friend and I have come together and gifted it a couple of times, is if there is a pattern that they're interested in or that we think would look really great on them, or it's one that we know looks great on everyone like, for instance, I have never seen a cashmere at Appleton dress that has not worked out, no matter the size. And so that one makes an excellent gift to give the paper pattern. And one of the things I love about um, the indie patterns in particular is that they usually have a beautiful presentation with the instruction booklet and all of the pieces that you get to them. And so maybe a, so, a great sewist to sewist gift would be to give somebody the pattern along with essentially making a kit for them, a fabric that either you've seen them admiring in the store or you know that they would love or fits their color story or you think would look great on them. So maybe the pattern, the fabric that they would need, and then if it calls for any special notions like elastic or buttons, maybe give it, gifting them those things. Another would be if maybe it's an indie pattern that is one that they are not um, a taper of the PDF patterns, which I, I fall into that category, then maybe yes. a, gift, a gift certificate to PDF plotting with the pattern and the kit for them so that they can have all of the things so that you've given them a project. Another would be um, there are some certain little things that people like to have uh, for their, for their machine, like the machine aprons or different projects. Like there's that one. Another one is there are some DIY tutorials for making your 
ta- your Taylor's ham or the sausage, which is also the seam roll. And so giving, doing a cute little printout of one of those DIY sets of instructions with all of the supplies they might need for that, for the seam roll, including the sawdust or whatever you're going to, there are different recommendations. The sawdust is one of the easy ones to acquire. And so with all of the pieces to it, and so they get a thoughtful sewing gift and it's a project. So think like the way that you might give somebody an embroidery kit where it has the hoop and the design and the thread and everything they need, but a sewing version of that, that you get to personalize for the person. That is so thoughtful. I really like, I really like that idea. And so it's also, it gives us an opportunity to really communicate. I think what do they call that? Like your love languages, you know, it's this kind of gift that you're giving that recognizes you know, something that they love and doing something for them that they might not choose to do themselves, or maybe they would choose to do it, but that you're seeing something in them or just, you just want to communicate your love of sewing with them. And I think that those are all really beautiful and thoughtful and really thoughtful gift ideas. So thank you for sharing those. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, but I wanted to ask, ask you to talk a little bit about where people can find you on the socials. And maybe to talk a little bit about the class that you and Jill are going to be doing at Craftcation 2020. Yeah, sure. So on Instagram, you can find me at HRH Allie, which stands for Her Royal Highness. Because I told you, extra all the time. So that is where you can find me on Instagram. And the class that we are going to be doing in 2020 One of them is a remix of a class that we taught this year at Craftcation. This will be our second year teaching there, which we're so excited to teach. We've been going to the conference now. I think this will be our seventh year attending, sixth or seventh year attending. And this will be our second year teaching. So the remix class is some made-to-measure leggings slash yoga pants that we are doing And for that class, what we do is you leave with a proper set of lower body measurements. You get to do a little, try your hand and do a little pattern drafting because we will actually draft the pattern for your leggings according to those measurements. And then we will stitch up those leggings. And I can, I can report that at our class last year, every single participant got to leave with a really super awesome pair of leggings that they customized for themselves down to how high or low they wanted their waistband and whether they wanted full-length pants or crop-length or knee-length pants. And there was a runway show, so everybody got to show off their awesome leggings that they were super proud of. It was a lot of fun. And so we are doing that class this year, and I... Rumor has it that it might be on sergers this year, which might be really fun that we get to do the serger class. Then we are also doing a class that is um, working with flat pattern adjustments and learning the elements of flat pattern and how that applies to your sewing patterns so that you can use that to learn how to read the pattern and how to make the adjustments that you need to make to your pattern from the flat pattern, as opposed to just trying to figure it out on the fly in your fabric. 
And so it's once you learn those elements of the pattern, then you can actually look at the pattern before you ever put scissors to fabric to learn how to make adjustments for it. So that one is going to be really fun. And then we are also doing an activity. Um, it's not as much a class, uh, but they have different activities when they have some more, um, I won't say social activities, but people have different energy levels and ways they like to go about interacting. And so for instance, for some people that maybe don't want to go to the dance party and want, but still want to be social, then the activity we're going to be doing for that one is something that's called pimp your tote bag. And so you get your tote bag for the conference. And so we're going to have all kinds of different surprise and ideas and things where you get to pimp your tote bag for the activity. And so we're going to hang out and pimp tote bags together. So I think that one is going to be super duper fun as well. And since this is the holiday gift giving guide, that is another one that we should definitely add to the link for because the conference registration for Craftcation 2020 is still open. And oh, so, it's a good idea. Yeah, their website is Dear Handmade Life, and it's run by an awesome company of, um, I, I want to say mostly women. I think it's all women, but I don't want to be, I don't want to exclude anybody if that's wrong, but they are dope humans that run that company. I 100% vouch for them being the most awesome people, and it is a great experience and a lot of fun, and they put so much work into it, and I have never regretted it. It is something that I look forward to every single year. Well, you know that I got my talk about a sewist to sewist gift. I think that you all didn't give me a craftcation registration, but I totally signed up because on the strength of your recommendation. So I'm really excited Yay. about it. Um, and so, and I'm definitely excited to do the flat pattern adjustment class. That's something that's like my top list of top choices for classes. I'm really excited about all of it. And I will definitely include a link to Craftcation in the show notes. So again, Alicia, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for sticking with me through all of our technical challenges and all of our lessons that we have learned. Um, I really feel like this has been like, I think we tried to start at five o'clock my time and it's like, <laughs> it's like 1030 now. So, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I had a lot of fun. It is never a waste to get to geek out about sewing and to give people ideas and inspire them, whether it's things you already have or things that you want to put on your wish list or look into or just nod your head and agree. It is always great to be in community with people that are into your things. So I love it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. That was Alicia Holland, sewist, attorney, craftcation teacher, Black Women Stitch member, and just amazing friend. She and I spent five and a half hours trying to get this podcast episode together because we had technical difficulties. So I wanted to give her a shout out for her patience and enthusiasm and kindness. I also want to acknowledge my neighbor, Max, who did an amazing job helping with the sound and helping to fix all of the errors that came through with the disrupted recording. So thank you so much, Max. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Stitch Please podcast. The holiday gift guide is a really extensive list of lots of different types of projects and products that you can use to support your sewing and to give as gifts for sewing friends. Please check out the show notes that have links to all the products that we talked about. And again, if you do end up buying them from Amazon, the Stitch Please podcast gets a little bit of money. um, So we do appreciate that. And finally, we can announce the winner of the Oliso Mini Project Iron. I would love to be able to insert a drum roll or something like that, but y'all know my um, podcast editing skills are kind of on the struggle bus, so I don't really know how to do that, but maybe, hold please, let's see if I can figure that out. Well, that's not exactly a drum roll, but I did spend about 45 minutes figuring out how to put it in there. So I figured after almost an hour that I would just drop it in. Y'all wouldn't mind. And hopefully our winner won't mind. And the winner is Black Pearl Magic. B-L-A-C-K-P-U-R-L Magic. So congratulations, Black Pearl Magic. I will be in touch with information on how to contact Aliso for your mini Project Iron. Congratulations. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening, to the pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S., And so if you drop $15 in the uh, PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, not email, if you send me your mailing address to my email, either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com, or you send me a direct message on the Black Women's Stitch Instagram page, we will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, Again, free shipping, $15 for the pin, and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week, and we will help you get your stitch together.